Welcome and thank you for tuning into this week's life-changing message from the Equipping Church. We pray you are empowered and encouraged by the Word of God. Father, right now, the water is rising. Jesus, the water is rising. Come on, just lift your hands to the Lord in this atmosphere right now. Just lift your hands to the Lord in this atmosphere right now. We're declaring miracle signs and wonders today. We're declaring this morning that healing is our portion. Miracles are our portion. That's what Jesus paid for. He didn't pay for a sick church. He didn't pay for a diseased church. He paid for a church that would be healed and whole because of the price that he paid on the cross of Calvary. That's what he paid for. So Jesus, this morning, we thank you, Lord. We followed what your word says. Your word says it in James chapter 5. It says, Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. So this morning, if you've got sickness in your body. And you've been prayed for. The word promises he'll raise you up. He'll raise you up. He'll raise you up because that's just how good he is. That's how good he is. That's the price he paid for. That's the price he paid for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we worship you this morning. We worship you, King Jesus. We worship you, King Jesus. And we thank you for your word this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you turn and greet somebody as you take your seat this morning as we get ready to dive into the word. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus, you're good. Jesus, you are good. Hallelujah. 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 You can be seated in the presence of the Almighty. So we get ready to dive into the Word of God. I did something dangerous. I told a whole bunch of people to greet, the, greet each other. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, the presence of the Lord is in the place. Amen. Amen. How many of you are thankful for what God is doing in this house? couple of you. Hallelujah. Maybe by the end of the message you'll get there. Hallelujah. All right. I'm diving into a series. Uh, I preached this a couple years ago, um, but I felt the Lord revisit it as I've been in my, my quiet time with Him and just asking Him what, what's next for the equipping church and in what direction are we headed in. We just finished up our two-week series, Close Encounters. Uh, but I want to start a series this morning. It'll take me a few weeks to get through it. Uh, we the church. We the church. And uh, to understand who we are and the role we are to play, we must go back to the Old Testament. And so we're going uh, to examine a lot of Scripture uh, today. And uh, Melanie's going to do her best to keep up with me. Um, but, you know, pray for her uh, back there. Her fingers might be on fire by the end of it. But I want to, to really examine this theme, we, the church. Uh, I think if any of us have had any experience in church, there are probably thousands of definitions for church. 
We all have our own definition of church. We all come with our own background. We all come with our own hang-ups about church. We all come with our own offenses towards church. We all come with our preconceived ideas of what church should be, what church shouldn't be. And we talked a little bit about that in Close Encounters, about you know getting honest and living holy. And I think that we can really look at church and we can examine our own selves when it comes to the idea of church. But I really want to look back, all the way back to the beginning of Genesis 21. And that's where we're going to start this morning. Genesis 21, uh, verses 1 through 3. Then the Lord took note of Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the appointed time of which God had spoken to him, Abraham named his son who was born to him, the son whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. If we go back in the story of Abraham and Isaac, there is a phrase that God says to Abraham long before Isaac is ever born. In your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Another translation says it this way, in your seed all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. And that was the whole objective of God birthing Isaac through Abraham is that the whole world would be impacted by uh, the people of Israel. And so the theme is followed through many different ways, but ultimately they were called, the children of Israel were called to represent God to the nations. And so we see this through the Old Testament as it reveals what it's meant to walk in covenant relationship with God. Is that the children of Israel had a covenant with God and they walked in covenant relationship with Him. And so we see as they were directed to construct the tabernacle while in the wilderness, the tabler tabernacle of Moses. And then we see when they finally occupied Jerusalem and they built the temple in Jerusalem. And we, we looked at that passage when uh, they dedicated Solomon's temple and the glory of the Lord filled that place and they couldn't stand to minister. All of that was based out of covenant with God. And there was a clear purpose of demonstrating and celebrating God and His kingdom ways. We, we look throughout Scripture and they were constantly given the charge to declare the works of God. We, the church, have been set apart to declare the works of God. Here's an example, 1 Chronicles 16, 8-9. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the people, sing to Him, sing praises to Him, speak of all His wonders. If you've encountered God, if you've had a a, a life transformation because of Jesus, you are called to declare the wonders of God. You've had something happen in your life that others have not had. You've been radically saved from sin, from hell, by the blood of Jesus and by His sacrifice at the cross. Psalm 145, 11 and 12 says this, They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men your mighty acts and the glory of the majesty of your kingdom. So it was more than just Israel experiencing this. It says to the sons of men, everyone was to know of the glorious wonders of God. Psalm 145, 18 says this, 
this amazing statement, which is all-inclusive. The Lord is near to all who call upon Him. To all who call upon Him in truth. There's a key there. You've got to know truth. Jesus declared, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You can't come to the Father except by Him. But He says this. He says, I am near to all who call upon me. The Lord is near to all who call upon Him. To all who call upon Him, what? In truth. So Israel was the forerunner. We go all the way back to Abraham. And all the nations shall be blessed because of your seed. And so there's this great birthing process of a nation through Abraham. Through Abraham and Sarah, in their old age, they conceive and they give birth to a son. And Isaac gives birth to Jacob. And Jacob, then we have the 12 tribes. And we see this incredible narrative throughout history of all the nations being called to know God through a people. All of the nations being called to know God through a people. They were referred to as the congregation, the church in the wilderness. Acts 7.38 This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness together with the angel who was speaking to him on Mount Sinai and who was with our fathers and he received living oracles to pass on to you. So we have this great narrative, this story all through the Old Testament. But the Old Testament ultimately was pointing to one man, to the man Jesus. Everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus and what he would accomplish in his death and his resurrection. And the New Testament makes it clear that Israel was our example. But here's the point. Here's the point that I want to bring us to. When we read the Old Testament, what we are really reading about is we, the church. That everything in the Old Testament is about principles of relating to God, principles of walking in obedience and blessing, principles of prayer and of faith, and of ultimately revealing God to others. And that's the church. That just like Israel, we are called to demonstrate an example to others what it means to know God. You, the church, we, the church, are called to demonstrate an example of what it means to know God. The seriousness of this destiny and this calling on the church is only really appreciated fully when you see it as everything of what the Old Testament is about, is that Israel was to be a people who the nations would know there is a God. And his name was Jehovah, his name was Yahweh, and ultimately his name is Jesus. God takes centuries, I mean we, we read through the Old Testament, centuries of time to give us an example of what obedience would bring and what disobedience would bring. To give us an example of what it meant to follow God, to know Him and to bring that knowledge to our communities. And one of my favorite examples of this demonstration of revealing God to nations, which is in full theatrical dynamic, comes in Daniel chapter 2. And that's where I want us to turn this morning. Daniel chapter 2. If you've got your Bible or your smartphone, Daniel chapter 2. And we're going to examine a portion of Scripture this morning that I believe is a starting point for us to fully understand what it means to demonstrate what it means to know God. Daniel chapter 2 beginning in verse 1. Now in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. 
Then the king gave orders to call in the magicians, the conjurers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. The king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to understand the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell the dream to your servants, and we will declare the interpretation. The king replied to the Chaldeans, The command from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb, and your houses will be made a rubbish heap. This guy's intense. But if you declare the dream and its interpretation, you will receive from me gifts and a reward and great honor. Therefore, declare to me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell the dream to his servants, and we will declare the interpretation. The king replied, I know for certain that you are bargaining for time inasmuch as you have seen that the command from me is firm, that if you do not make the dream known to me, there is only one decree for you. For you have agreed together to speak lying and corrupt words before me until the situation is changed. Therefore, tell me the dream that I may know that you can declare to me its interpretation. I love the drama of this moment. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, is troubled. He's had some dreams that have troubled his spirit. They've taken away his sleep. And he is sick and tired of the sham of the so-called prophetic of that hour. He is done with it. He is not going to have any of their lies, their deceit. And see, it's easy to be prophetic when you already know all the details. Super easy. And anyway, any old interpretation. I mean, we, we have a generation of prophetic today. They just get out their dream book and they say, this is what it means. That's not how the prophetic works. I've had one instance. I was working a dream interpretation booth at a New Age festival. We would go in covertly uh, to minister to the New Agers. And so we, we wouldn't put we're Christians. We would just put dream interpretation booth. And so these people would come up. And this guy, I'll never forget it. He comes up. He was the leader of a coven. He had all of his regalia on. He, I mean, he was the high priest of a satanic coven. And he comes in and he says, I know you're Christians. I said, how'd you know that? Yeah, I can see it all over you. He says, but I have a challenge for you. I'm going to be like Nebuchadnezzar. He knew the story. He says, I'm going to be like Nebuchadnezzar. He says, you see, the thing is, I grew up a Christian and I hate you. And I'll really know if you're real Christians, if you can tell me my dream and its interpretation. The, the two team members who were with us were freaked out. All of a sudden, they're not saved anymore. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, okay, God, you're going, you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do this. And so I'm sitting there, and he says, see, I didn't know you were Christians. And out of my mouth before I could even catch it, I said, this was your dream. And I don't remember all the details of the dream, but it had something to do with a tree and this whole story. And I said, and here's the interpretation of it. Your mother died when you were three. Your father died when you were 12. And you've carried this bitterness towards God. Da, 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 and I give him the old interpretation of the dream. And he starts ripping his clothes off. And he said, I told God this morning that if he would do this, I'd come back and serve him for the rest of my life. But so many, they just want to get out their dream interpretation books. 
Well, a dog means this. Well, no, that's not how it works. Just because a dog means that to you doesn't mean that's what a dog means to me. God speaks in our individual languages. He speaks to us individually. We can't be like the world and just think, oh, I can just open a book and get the interpretation. That's not how it works. And so he, King Nebuchadnezzar, he's out for blood. I mean, he, he is done with the sham because he knows that all these conjurers, all these magicians, all the Chaldeans, they've just been feeding him what he wants to hear because they don't really have an anointing. They've got smoke and mirrors. Some of them might have a little magic from the dark side. They might be able to do a few little tricks by their sorcery, but they don't really have what he needs in this moment, and he recognizes that. The world really recognizes that they don't have what they need. Do you understand that? They, they recognize the void in their life, but they also recognize that most Christians are just like them and don't carry the real thing either. And there's a, a delineation that is taking place in this hour. We prayed it in pre-service prayer this morning. Let us work while it is still day because night is coming. There is a night coming. And so the king, Nebuchadnezzar, he's out for blood. Verse 10. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who could declare the matter for the king, inasmuch as no great king or ruler has ever asked anything like this of any magician, conjurer, or Chaldean. Because of this, the king became indignant and very furious and gave orders to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they looked for Daniel and his friends to kill them. Then Daniel replied with discretion and discernment to Arioch, the captain of the king's bodyguard, who had gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He said to Arioch, the king's commander, for what reason is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch informed Daniel about the matter. So Daniel went in and requested of the king that he would give him time in order that he might declare the interpretation of the king. Then Daniel went to his house and informed his friends... Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah about the matter. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So that they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So let's get what's happening here. This is the church being revealed to us in the Old Testament. Together in prayer, seeking revelation from God about this situation. Do you understand that, that, that Daniel recognized, I can't do this alone. I'm going to go get with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we're going to pray until God gives us an answer. That's why we are the church, because we're called as a body. I can't function without you. You can't function without me. It is the body of Christ together. That's why we ultimately seek for you to develop relationships within the context of the body of Christ so that you would understand you are not an island unto yourself. You can't do it alone. You can't. And so I, I love this story because ultimately when there is a need, there is a group of people who will pray with you, for you, and seek the counsel of God on your behalf. Some of you know that, that I essentially run a small group on Tuesday nights of our leaders. And we've done this for about three years. And this is a group of people that I trust my life with. I have genuine friends there because it's a place where I feel safe and they feel safe and we can share. This is what's happening in our lives. And we pray for each other and we contend for each other. 
And that's why we've developed small groups within this house. Now, we took a break for this semester because God was doing something on Wednesday nights. But ultimately, we seek to integrate you into a small group, a, a love community, if you will. Because we see that in, in this small group, Daniel can go to this small group and he can say, I, I have answers there. I have a group of people, they may not know the dream, they may not know the interpretation, but I know they'll pray. I'll know that they'll be a safe place for me. And so, in this place, here's the result, verse 19. It says, then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. I mean, this is extraordinary. This was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. What, were, what was the key there, though? He first went to his small group and he prayed. He got together. He said, we got to pray about this. The king is going to kill us. We're in a desperate situation, folks. But let me say something to you. In this hour, in our nation specifically, we're in a desperate situation. And I'm not talking about some political agenda. I'm talking about the soul of a nation. A people who are so lost and so desperate and so in need of a Savior. It's not about a politician. It's about a group of people who will gather and pray. God, give us the solution for our city. Give us the solution for our nation. I'm not going to get real political, but I will say this. We have a very important election coming up in November that I believe is a determining factor for a lot of things. Because we've seen the jubilee of Roe versus Wade. We've seen the overturning of abortion in America. But we have a generation of politicians who want to kill not just a bunch of babies. They want to kill all the babies. California just legalized infants and tide. Do you understand what that means? They can kill a baby 30 days after it's outside of the womb. Oh, I don't want my baby anymore. Take it down and kill it. Wait, what do you mean that's not legal? I can show you the law that says it's in the fine print in the law that says if that baby doesn't feel viable, they can give it a medication to kill it. If a doctor without the permission of the parents deems that that baby is not viable, they can kill the baby. I don't care what your political view on abortion is. It's murder. And I will preach that till I go to heaven. It is not a woman's right to kill a baby. And now California has said it's a doctor's right to kill a baby. It's evil. And it's agenda from the pit of hell. And we are dealing with a generation right now and a group of politicians that wants to wipe Christianity off the face of the earth. Now let me say this. I'm not jumping into Christian nationalism here. What I am dealing with, persecution will come. We should not be surprised when we're persecuted for the name of Jesus. But here's what I don't want to be persecuted for. I don't want to be persecuted because I support a particular politician. I want to be persecuted because I preach the gospel. And I think we've got to make that clear in this hour. That it's not about supporting a particular politician. It's about supporting agendas that further the kingdom of God. Like life. That everyone in America has the right to life. Pre-born or born. So I say all of that to say this, that at this time, King Nebuchadnezzar, who's in the world, is frustrated with all of his magicians, all of his sorcerers, all of his Chaldeans, and he's looking for an answer. I want to tell you, there are politicians out there that are looking for answers.
And might we be a people who have not disqualified ourselves because we've talked bad about them. Daniel in this chapter doesn't say, well, Nebuchadnezzar, you know, he voted for the wrong guy. Nebuchadnezzar has the wrong agenda. No, regardless of Nebuchadnezzar's agenda, Daniel made himself available. What if your least favorite politician was looking for an answer, but you had disqualified yourself because all you did was gossip about them? The Lord's really, 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 really been dealing with my heart in this hour that we've got to shut our mouth about people and start opening our mouth about issues. That we need to start praying for the people because we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against powers and spiritual forces and wickedness in high places. That politician you hate, it's not them. It's the spirit behind them. There is a particular politician. I'm going to tell this story. This, this isn't even in my notes this morning. I'm just preaching out of the prophetic flow this morning. Who was influenced by a group of Pentecostals in Louisiana. This politician was so close to getting saved. I'm talking mid-90s. At the top of the food chain. You'll know who I'm talking about. So close to getting saved. And there were two Christians around the cabinet at that time who began to slander him before he'd done anything. And he got offended with Christians and then had a very public fall and didn't get saved. You'll know who I'm talking about. Said in the highest office. Said in the highest office. Leader of the free world. Mid-90s. Very public fall. I won't say his name over live stream. Very close to a group of Pentecostals in Louisiana. So much so that that group of Pentecostals sang at his prayer breakfast. Right at his inauguration. You can see the video on YouTube. The anointing fell in that room. Sikhs were raising their hands because this particular person had brought this group in to sing. So close. But Christians didn't handle him well. Daniel could have come to the king and said, well, you've done everything wrong. I'm not giving you the interpretation. Off with your head. But Daniel said, let me seek the Lord on your behalf. What if we had a generation of people who rather than just blasting politicians began to seek the Lord on their behalf? What if we began to pray for their salvation and not their destruction? Am I a fan of who's in the White House? No. Because I see what is driving the White House. Because I understand the agendas behind the scenes. But I don't want his destruction. I want his salvation. Because Jesus paid the price for him just like he did you and I. So it says in verse 19, Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. This is extraordinary. This is the church in action. The problem is, however, that for many of us, when we've had a, a, a background of broken relationships, when we've had family disconnections, when we've had betrayal and fear as a result, it can be very hard to think that there could be a group of people who genuinely connect and love on you. It can be very hard for us to come into church and go, ah, yeah, no, I've been around Christians before. I've been around those people. I can read them. I know them. 
But let me talk to you if you're in that category. Rejection and relationship pain will cause you to put up a natural barrier of openness and giving and receiving love. I had someone say to me, I was afraid to meet with you. Why? Because there was a background of hurt. There was a background of rejection. But I want to tell you, I believe, I had someone say to me, Last Sunday, this is the first time I've ever felt loved in church. I I celebrate that, but I was so heartbroken. Because the church should be the place where we walk in and go, I'm loved here. I I found a people who genuinely love me. Not because of what I can do, but because of who I am. And the trouble is you will remain in that state of fear and rejection until you allow yourself the possibility, may I call it the risk, of connecting on a deeper level. You have to make a choice, church. You have to make a choice to let down the walls. And in many respects, you don't know how to relate to people properly, though you may think you do because your life is tainted by your rejection, your betrayal, your dysfunction of family and past relations. Let me say, that's okay. That's okay that you're coming in with that stuff. But let me guarantee you something. When you have an encounter with the Almighty and a group of people who will pray for you, you can't help but change. I was transformed by people who loved me in church. Now let me tell you, some of those same people gave me the greatest hurts in life. That's going to happen. We're going to get hurt in church. Why? Because we showed up. Because we're all a work in progress. I said to someone, uh, my friend Pastor Willie, I, I said to her, I said, we're like onions. She said, no, honey, we're like cabbage. I said, I like being an onion. It's easier to discern the layers. She says, oh, if it only were that easy. <laughs> cabbage, they're thin layers and there's a whole lot of them. So just when we think we get past one of those layers, we go, oh, there's another layer. And you ever bought a cabbage that has gone bad from the inside? It looks really good on the outside, but you cut into it. That's like our lives sometimes. The deeper we go, the more we realize, oh, there's some stuff in there that I did not realize was there. And the Holy Ghost is exposing it. That's what 5783 is all about. The season we're in, it's all about exposure. God's exposing the inner workings of our heart, and you will either deal with it or you will run from it. But let me tell you, if you deal with it, he makes it better than it ever was. I want to say to you, there are people here today whom I've known for a long time who won't betray you, who will love you, and who will seek to bring healing and wholeness to you. It might mean at times you'll be spoken to about some attitudes, some behaviors, and some responses. We all get chastised by the Lord. But Proverbs 17.10 says this, A rebuke goes deeper into one who has understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. Let me read that again to you. A rebuke goes deeper into one who has understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. I've had to rebuke some of the people in our leadership, and they've had to rebuke me at times. Now, Pastor Hector does it in such a way, I didn't realize it was a rebuke till like six hours later, and then I'm feeling the sting of it. <laughs> Pastor Anna has told me before, she goes, man, the way you, you had to correct that person... I don't think they're going to feel it for a couple days. And it's true. I've had, I had a person say, you know, it was three days before I realized what you said to me, that it really sunk in. I was thankful I needed that anesthetic before it really I recognized. 
Now, I've grown in that way. Met me seven years ago, oh, I would have just thrown the Bible at you. Literally. Here, just take the word. But as God just softened me and dealt with me, Ecclesiastes 7.5, it's better to listen to the rebuke of a wise man than for one to listen to the song of the fools. So listen, in the journey of being part of we, the church, we might have to have an attitude adjustment. But that's part of following Jesus. He's not going to let you stay the same. He's not going to let you come in with your attitudes about church. So listen, if you've gone through church hurt, let me just say to you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the church that hurt you. I'm sorry if we hurt you. But let me also say this. Jesus hurt way more than you ever have. So don't let your hurt outlast his hurt. Let his hurt heal your hurt. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. So let's get back to Daniel. Let's get back to Daniel. Let's get back to our narrative. Verse 24. Thereupon Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to kill the wise men of Babylon. He went and said this to him, Do not kill the wise men of Babylon. Take me into the king's presence, and I will declare the interpretation to the king. Then Arioch hurriedly brought Daniel into the king's presence and spoke to him as follows. I've found a man among the exiles from Judah who can make the interpretation known to the king. Let it be said of us by the world, I found someone who has answers. I found someone who has answers. The king said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, don't you just love that? Changed all their names. I like Daniel, Belteshazzar. I mean, can you imagine? What was his nickname? Come here, Belty. Shazzy. So he says to him, are you able to make known to me the dream which I've seen in its interpretation? Daniel answered before the king and said, As for the secret about which the king has inquired, neither wise men, sorcerers, soothsayers, priests, nor diviners are able to declare it to the king. However, there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. There is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in the latter days. This was your dream and the visions in your mind while on your bed. I mean, come on, what a dramatic moment in history. We wouldn't have the book of Daniel if Daniel hadn't gotten it right. But Daniel gets it right in this moment. But this is what I want, I want us to see. Verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and paid humble respect to Daniel and gave orders to present to him an offering and incense. The king responded to Daniel and said, Your God truly is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets since you have been able to reveal this secret. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts and he made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel made a request of the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the administration of the province of Babylon while Daniel was at the king's court. I mean, this is revival. This is revival, the theatrical dynamic. This is an example of the church, our church, in living function, bringing the revelation of God to people, connecting to Jesus himself, the who is the truth. 
This is the Holy Spirit functioning within as the Spirit of truth, revealing God's heart, truth, and plans into our everyday lives. This is where we captivate our community because they see and hear God in living motion, impacting their lives as well as our own. God is the revealer of mysteries. This is what it means to be the church. I'm going to share a story that might be outside some of your boxes. That's okay. God called us to break boxes, and that's what I'm going to do this morning. In 2015, I was back in my office, and I was spending some time with the Lord. So this is seven years ago, July. I was in my office, and the Lord said, go out to the sanctuary. And as I walked out the office at my door, smack, I ran into another door. Now, if you've been back there, you know that there's some bathroom doors, there's some closet doors. And I thought to myself, I left the closet door open. And then as I adjusted my eyesight, I realized I'm not in the church anymore. And I am freaked out. Where am I? What is going on? And I'm standing on kind of a grassy hill outside of a large administration building in another country. And I'm standing there and I'm thinking, how in the world did I get here? And I'm checking my pockets for my cell phone and my wallet and I've got none of it. And I think, well, what do I do? I'm going to go through the door. So I walk through the door. And standing there in the foyer of this beautiful building is an Indian man. And he says to me, they're waiting for you in there. And I said to him, what do you, who, why, where, where am I? And he says, they're waiting for you in there. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't even know where I am, let alone who's waiting. I said, who is it? He says, the Council of Governors. They're waiting for you. He said, I told them a prophet from America would come and give them the answers that they seek. I'm thinking, my God, I don't have any answers. I don't even know how to get home. So I walk through the next set of double doors, and as God is my witness, there is... Council of Governors sitting behind this big grandiose table with a chair right there. And they said, please take a seat. We understand that your God has sent you from America because you have the answers which we seek. I'm thinking, no, I don't. And all of a sudden, out of my belly, I could feel the prophetic word begin to flow. And I began to prophesy to them for 45 minutes. Answers which they'd been seeking about infrastructure, about business, about government. I looked at one man. I said, as a matter of fact, you have the blueprints drawn up in your briefcase and you've been afraid to share it with them. And trembling, he reaches into his briefcase and pulls out the blueprints. This went for 45 minutes. I felt the Spirit of God lift off of me. I said, that's all I have to say. They said, thank you. You may leave. No explanation. Still don't really know where I am. I go back out to the front room where this Indian man greets me again. He says, I'm the only Christian on that council of governors. We've been fighting for over a year about answers for this particular issue. And I told them that I believed God would send a prophet from America to give them the answers and you showed up. Can I take you to the airport? I didn't come by the airport. How did you get here? He said, well, where can I drive you? I said, I don't really know how I got here. And he says, why don't you try the door you came through? So I do. I walk back out the door and smack, I'm back in my office. Two weeks later, I got a letter from that particular government thanking me for my visit. Later that year, I applied for a visa to go to that particular nation 
and was denied a visa for illegal entry. This wasn't a vain imagination. I didn't make it up in my head. God supernaturally transported me from Bryan, Texas to that particular region. And because we're on live stream, I won't say where it is. But to that particular region. To give answers to a people who had no answers. And were frustrated with their own people. Frustrated. That is the church. That is how God wants to operate through you and I. He wants to use you to bring answers to people who have no answers. Why? So that they may come to know the Lord. Not so I can build a ministry. Not so you can build your name. But that the name of Jesus may be made famous in the earth. Some of those men on that council of governors became Christians. Not all of them, but some of them. But he is the revealer of mysteries. He who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, still being the one who reveals secrets and mysteries in order to unlock the lives of others. You're called to bring answers to a people who have no answers. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of this law. I mean, it's incredible what God wants to do through your life. It's incredible how He wants to reveal secrets to a people who need to know the truth. That is who God is. I want to look at another passage this morning. Romans 11, verses 33 through 36. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or become his counselor? Or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Wow. The riches of wisdom and knowledge are available to us, we the church. One more passage this morning. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. For by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Come on. You are called to be partakers of the divine nature. You're not called to live some less than Christianity. You're not called to live a form of religion, but denying the power. There is a power available to you. As we, the church, walk in that power, we will bring answers to a lost and dying world who need to know there is a God who is alive today, who is the same yesterday. The miracles He did for Daniel, He'll do for you. The miracles He did for the apostles, He'll do for you. The same prophetic anointing that was on Daniel and Isaiah and Ezekiel is made available to you to give answers to people who have no answers. We, the church, are the answer to a lost and dying world. We, the church, together, collectively, the body of Christ, that we might bring the solutions to their problems. 
that they, like Nebuchadnezzar, might fall on the ground and say, Your God is the God of all gods. Yours is the Lord of all kings. Isn't that who He is, church? Isn't He the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Isn't He the Almighty God? And yet we serve Him and we are His ambassadors to the earth. That's who you are. But I think for so long we've been so hung up on our own issues and our own problems that we yet to see that God has the solutions not only for us, but for them. Come on, church. Daniel wasn't afraid to be bold and say, let me have a little time. I know the God who is the revealer of mysteries. I've had moments in life where I've been witnessing and, and, and building relationship with unbelievers and, and they've asked me for prayer and they've asked me, I don't know what to do about this. And I, I've said many times, let me just go pray about it. And I believe God will bring an answer. I believe God will bring an answer. I'll never forget, I was ministering at a pastors and leaders conference. There were 1,500 in this conference, one of the largest that I've ever done of pastors and leaders. And they wanted me to prophesy over every pastor. Now, this was in my early days. I was 18 years old, so I didn't know how to say no. I just thought if leaders told you you do this, you do it. So I said, okay, I'm going to prophesy over 1,500 people. I started at 8 o'clock and I finished at 4 o'clock in the morning. By the end of it, I could barely stand. I had two men bring me a chair, and I sat on a chair, and my eyes were heavy, and they bring and I'd lay hands on the next. So this is the word of the Lord. One guy walked in front of me, and this was the word I had for him. Donkeys! That's all the Lord gave me. Donkeys! He fell on the ground weeping. Must have meant something. I thought the Lord was rebuking him. They moved him out of the way and they kept the people coming. And I'm prophesying, prophesying. I had to preach the 8 a.m. service. 4 a.m., they dragged me back to my hotel room, laid me in my bed. I slept. I got up at 7, got a shower, got dressed, somehow made it back. into. And I was caffeine-free in those days. I don't know how I did it. It was the anointing. Made it back into that service, but that pastor came up to me. And he said, you have no idea what that word means to me. He says, God asked us several months ago to invest in raising donkeys. I thought, why would you raise donkeys? He said, but I, I, I felt like it was the biggest mistake I'd ever made. He says, but when you said that word, I knew I'd heard from God. Six months later, he sent me an email. In the email, the land where he was raising the donkeys had become worth 10 times what he'd paid for it. And then something else, there was all these details in the story. But his investment, he made an investment like 500000 He sold off these investments for almost $10 million. Just a short time later, it was able to fund his ministry overseas. It was, I mean, the things that it did, one word, donkeys. One word. Let me tell you, when you'll become a conduit from, for God, to have answers for people who don't have answers, God can flip the script. Now, he didn't tithe to my ministry, but that's okay. <laughs> Over the next several weeks, I'll unfold 
what I believe is one of the greatest understandings for success for a Christian in accessing these secrets that are awaiting us. But as I close this morning, my word to you this morning is whatever you're facing, whatever, whatever is coming against you, whatever the needs are, the secrets are there with God waiting to be unlocked for you. And here's why. Because when you get your secrets unlocked, God wants you to you to use you to unlock secrets for others. It's not just about us. It's about them. People who don't know him yet. There are some kings waiting. I'm not talking about ones that wear crowns. I'm talking about kings in the world. Business leaders. Government leaders. People who are waiting for you to show up with answers. You have a circle of influence of people who aren't saved yet. What if all of a sudden God used you to set them free from their drug addiction? What if all of a sudden God used you to bring the answer of healing that they needed? What if it was your hands that got laid on them and cancer left their body? What if it was you sitting at coffee across from them and their marriage gets restored? What if it was you at the university who all of a sudden brought healing to someone's life through the power of Jesus? What if it was you, Barbara, at the rest home? Or in the cancer ward, reading the miracle stories? People begin to get healed of cancer spontaneously. What if it was you in the Starbucks line? Turning around saying, the Lord wants you to know, da, 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 da. you at Walmart, walking down the chip aisle and seeing the woman die in her motorized cart and you raise her from the dead. Happened to me, can happen to you. I don't share these stories because I'm special. I share these stories because they're available to you. I share these stories because all it takes is a life surrendered. All Daniel had to do was number one, surrender his life. He put his life on the line. Just give me a little time, king. I'll go get the answer. But number two, he connected with the right people. When you connect with the right people, when you connect into church, when you connect into the small group, when you connect into corporate prayer, when you connect into pre-service prayer, when you connect into those things, puts you in the right place to get the right answers at the right time. Whatever is locked up for you this morning, I believe God wants to give you the necessary secrets for your life today. I believe God wants to give you the necessary secrets for your life today so that you can begin to release the necessary secrets for other people's lives. Over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about what it means to be we, the church. The church isn't a building. The church isn't a denomination. The church is a group of people who have said, we are the church. We are the church. You and I are the church. We can't do it alone. We can't do it alone. This is what we're going to do this morning. Hector and Suzanne are going to come. They're going to share what's happening around the place, receive the tithes and offerings. And then I'm going to come back. And we're going to have an altar ministry this morning. If you have secrets in your life, things that you need answers for, you're saying, God, I don't have the answer for this. I don't know what the solution is. I want to pray for you for the secrets to be unlocked this morning. Amen. Pastor Hector and Susanna, won't you come?
Thank you, Pastor. If you have your worship guides with you, you can follow along. If you have attended the Encounter Weekend to, well, last weekend, and um, you want more, we encourage you to come for the post-encounter. We had the first session last week, so come for the second session, and that's going to be on Wednesday, the 19th of October at 7 p.m. If you have not gone for any encounter weekend, you are still welcome to come. All right, so um, as to quote what Pastor Jacob was saying just now, uh, there's stuff in there, and the Holy Spirit needs to expose it Right? So we had an encounter and we need to be continually filled with what God has for us. Right? So please come for the post-encounter. And then just to let you know, I, uh, we have our international students' dinner. A few of you have approached me and wanting to help. Thank you so much. I'll be approaching you. And if you're not able to come and help, you can pray for this event. You can also sow into this event. All right? So later on, we will uh, give you the um, uh, uh, how to uh, text and uh, you can also give online, and uh, it will say college ministry, so you can sow into that as well. Right? So um, we are expecting quite a number of people. Some faculty members are also touched, and they want, and they are international, and they want to come and help. All right. So, um, so God is doing a great work. In fact, um, we took a step of faith, and uh, Hector actually sent the email to the whole list serve to the whole Department of Educational Psychology, and it's got our name of our church right there. All right, so we are expecting some backlash uh, about using that listserv for church purposes, but we are ready. <laughs> and we are believing, <laughs> we are believing that, yeah, so, I mean, you know, as I was praying that week when the, when the email was sent and a few of my students were asking me about this email and all this, and... And I told the Lord, we are going to be fearless, all right? We are not going to be afraid, all right? We're just going to do what the Lord is telling us to do. Yeah, we're going to roar like the lion. So people are going to come to us to seek answers in their lives. And, and we have those answers, amen? All right, so pray for this event. And we are believing it's not just a dinner and then, you know, hunky-dory, everything is fine. We are expecting God to move. Deliverance all that, all right? So um, just come and pray for us and uh, you can sow into this event as well. And then in the first week of November, we have the Equipping Weekend and we are so honoured and happy to have Pastors Mark and Tammy Wallace. They are senior pastors of Living Word Fellowship. Pastor Mark has got a wonderful testimony of how the Lord saved him from the dire straits of covid and he was on the ventilator. He's written a book about it. And, and if you know about the ventilator, very few people get out of that. Okay? But he has a miraculous story. So they have come and uh, um, shared the word with us. And, and for those of you who, who don't know them, all right, please come. That's going to be on Saturday, the 5th of November at 10 a.m. So instead of our corporate intercession, we are going to have them with us. And then on Sunday during our normal church service and at 6 p.m. in the evening. All right? So please come for all those times. 
And uh, if you want to be a part of our church, right, even as Pastor Jacob has uh, shared the first of a series of We Are The Church, okay, so come and, and uh, you know, if you want to be connected and, and really understand what TEC is all about, so um, please make yourself available on Sunday, the 13th of November, right, that's the second Sunday of uh, next month. It's just next month, right? November, all right? So just let me know, all right? And I can take your names down and um, I will set you up and it's going to be after the service, all right? Lunch is provided. And last but not least, the Holy Ghost Camp at Messiah's Ranch. You need to register, so go online uh, and uh, it will say um, camp registration. Uh, some people have already registered, so all... The registration fees are there. It's $150 per person. It's for food and lodging. And if you have children, you have all the different uh, amounts there. Please come and see us if you have a, a financial difficulty. Come and be the church. <laughs> right, we're going to be the church at Messiah's Ranch. And that's going to be at the end of the year, Friday, the 30th of December, right through 1st of January. And we are also very happy to have the Herndons with us. And they are longtime friends and partners with us. Uh, they have an anointing for healing, uh, moving uh, uh, with what the Lord is telling them to do, the word of knowledge, prophetic words. So come, let's have a, a great start to the year. All right, let's have a great start to the year and have an encounter with the Lord and uh, to welcome these uh, uh, giants as well. Amen. Hallelujah. So even as we prepare our hearts for offerings, just want to invite Pastor Hector. Well, um, I know that God is at work with all this uh, dinner. just want to give you a couple of insights. Number one, uh, even as we have heard that um, nations, that God wants to show up to nations. So I, I believe that nations are coming to this, this church like never before. Many people from many places. And that's why we have this dinner. It's just, they will be saved, but they also, I believe that God wants nations in this church. I'm convinced. And that's what we are working and we are sowing. So if you, uh, uh, if you feel that the Lord is giving you grace to fast, then do that as well. Fast and pray for this. Uh, my testimony about this is that I'm fighting the spirit of apathy. Uh, because of all the dinners we have done, I never felt so much that I didn't want to do this. And this is how I share that. I've, we, I've given some cards around. About 100. I think I have only 10 left. And this is how I tell people to come. You're having a dinner? I'm a professor. I'm cooking. Come over. <laughs> I don't know if I'm scolding them to come or something, but I'm just trying to ask God, God, give me some love for these and use my words to touch them. Some of them will say, oh, thank you. Some of them, oh, yes, thank you so much. So they have contacted me, uh, about 20 people registered, but I wouldn't be surprised because the God is in this if we have a, a, a many more people coming, many more. Now, what we usually do here is we have a banquet. So when they come here, they say, why? So they feel very honored that we go not the extra mile, we go the extra 10 miles for them. And uh, I'm just believing that, uh, that God is going to move. And even though we don't have an evangelistic message like preaching to them, but we share our lives with them. And we also invite them 
to visit us. Okay, so, and we are going to believe that they are that the Holy Spirit is going to touch them. Okay, because this is the work that God is doing. All right, so that's why I want to tell you. You get, get if you want to participate in this, get involved. Just get in touch with us, and uh, we change phones and we get uh, for transportation and many. Of, there's a lot of work to do for all of us if you want to participate. So I just want to share with you from Proverbs three uh, nine. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. And this is exactly the verse that I shared last week. <laughs> but I want to go to the other side, which is honor the Lord with your possessions. So what I want to suggest to you to, to, the, to do to God uh, every day is say, God, thank you for you, what you have given me. Thank you for the car. Thank you for the house. Thank you for what uh, relationships. Thank you for what you have given me. I want to honor you with what you have given me. May your car be a car that is used for God's purposes, to bring people to church, to bring God to people. <laughs> May your house be a house of encounter with the Holy Spirit, of salvation, of healing, to bring people into prayer, into intercession, to bring people into freedom and salvation. Every single thing that we have, God wants us to honor Him. Let us stop saying, this is mine. There is nothing is ours. Everything you have received is from God and everything belongs to him. So let us this week surrender all these possessions to him and you will see how God will work things out for you as you do that. All right, so let me just pray and then we'll pass, sometimes pass, pass the baskets. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this word. And I thank you, Lord, that this is a house of sowers, that people sow in faith. And as we have been sowing uh, into so many areas we know lord that the harvest is ours so father we pray lord that you will manifest your provision your supernatural provision for this house but also for every single son and daughter in this place for every single person who is here hungry for you father we pray for your provision that you will glorify your name in your provision in jesus mighty name amen thank you pastor Well, if you felt like apathy came over you while Pastor Hector was talking about the International Students' Dinner, we just break that off in Jesus' name. <laughs> Father, give Hector an excitement this week about the harvest of international students. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my. All right, this morning, if you feel like you've got some things that you're like, God, I, I don't have the answers for it. We just want to agree with you. That God would give you the secrets this week. That you'd have it unlocked. That you would see that breakthrough. So you stand this morning. Before we jump into that, if you're in this room this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never made that choice to follow Him. You've never made Him Lord of your life. I want to give you that opportunity this morning to surrender Lordship of your life to Jesus. So if that's you this morning, you might be watching by live stream and you're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus this morning. I want to make him my home. I want to make heaven my eternal home. If that's you this morning. I want you to slip up your hand. If you're watching by live stream. Join me in this prayer. This morning, I want you to pray with me. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I declare today is a starting point of me living as a new creation. I repent of my sin and I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.
If you feel like you've got those things that need to be unlocked this morning, I want to open the altars for you to come. Pastor Hector and I are going to come by and pray for you. And we're going to believe that the secrets will be unlocked, that you'll have revelation this morning to, to begin to walk out those situations. If that's you this morning, I want you to come. We want to pray for you. We pray that your life was impacted today by the presence of God. For more information about the Equipping Church or to give online, please visit www.equippingchurch.us.